Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to see you all this morning on a Sunday morning. Amen. And next week is Father's Day. And I'll be watching to see if you make it or not. <laughs> You're not going to mess with my fishing plans, Pastor Alex. I never, okay. <laughs> well, this morning we have to dive right into the Word because we have a lot to get through. As most of you know, we are in the tail end of our series on the book of Revelation. We are in chapter number 12, and things are really heating up as we head towards Armageddon, which I'm excited about. We'll talk about that next week. But this week, we're about to dive into a part in this prophecy that is going to explain a lot of things, I hope, to you. Things that maybe you haven't understood before. We're going to be looking at some imagery and some things that are revealed in chapter number 12 that are extremely important. Now, I, uh, I want to say this. This is very important. We do not believe in replacement theology. One of the doctrines out there is replacement theology. In other words, the church has replaced Israel. That's not the case. The church is a separate entity. We are the bride of Christ. But Israel is still the beloved of God. And God has made promises to Israel that He will fulfill, that He intends to keep. He is a God that keeps His promises. And throughout the ages, we see the hand of the Lord still moving in Israel. And we have gotten to that point in the book of Revelation where we've seen what happens in the church. We see what happens as judgment begins to unfold. But today we're going to see what happens with Israel in a major way. And so it's very important that you understand this. Now, for those of you that do not believe what I'm saying, if you go to Romans chapter 9, all the way through to Romans chapter 11, Paul teaches about how God is still busy with the children of Israel and still will fulfill His promises that He has made to them. So go and read that. Now, we are right at the end of the trumpet judgments. There are three sets of judgments, judgments, and this is the second set of judgments. The last set, which is the bold judgments, is the most intense, and we're going we're gonna to get right to the beginning of that this morning. But the last trumpet is sound, and you're about to see what takes place. What's very difficult in the book of Revelation is that there are things presented to John that are happening in the spirit, and then he sees them as they happen in the natural. So in other words, he sees the heavenly picture, and then he also sees the earthly picture. And sometimes that can be a little bit confusing, and I hope this morning that I'll be able to kind of clarify that for you, make it clearer, easier to understand. I'm going to do my best not to rush through this because that's a lot of information, but we do have a lot to get through. So <clears throat> I just want to wish the McCabe's a happy 50th wedding anniversary. Congratulations to both of you. Precious couple in the church. Yesterday was their 50th wedding anniversary. God bless you guys. What an example. So let's get right to it. Remember, we are at the last trumpet judgment, and something's about to be revealed in the heavens. Revelation chapter number 12, verse number 1. Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon, under her feet, and on her head a garland of 12 stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. It's very important that you understand who this woman is. And the Bible actually tells us who she is. Some people want to interpret this as being Mary. This is not Mary. This woman is clearly Israel. This woman represents the nation of Israel and in the Old Testament, we see a picture of this because of one of the dreams that Joseph has. Let me read it to you. Let's go to Genesis 37, verse number 9. Now remember, you can go there. I'll read for you real quick. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon, under her feet, and on her head a garland of 12 stars. Now let's take a look 
at Joseph's dream. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream, and this time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars bowed down to me. So the 11 stars bowed down to him, him being the 12th star. And he told it to his father and brothers, and his father rebuked him. Okay, we're not going to go into that. But you must understand that out of Jacob and Rachel, the sun and the moon, and the 12 stars being the, tri tri the 12 tribes of Israel, was birthed the nation of Israel. So this woman represents the nation of Israel, or the Abrahamic covenant, the people, the children of Israel. So clearly this woman is... Israel, or represented by Israel. Remember, it's a sign, it's an image. Also, you'll find out that in the Old Testament, Israel is referred to as a woman in travail. Israel is referred to as a woman in travail. And we know that this woman is going to give birth to the Messiah. Israel, out of the nation of Israel, was birthed the Messiah, Jesus the Christ. Amen. So the first sign, the first image that we are given is this image of the nation of Israel and something that happens. We're going to get a picture, a clear picture of the fact that this is Israel based on events that have already taken place in Scripture that he's going to explain to us, and then events that will still take place that are coming. Now he's going to give us a second image, and it's important that we have this image to understand What's going on? Verse number three of Revelation chapter number 12. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. Now this character, the dragon, is Satan. Understand, we're having a look at a heavenly picture of what's taking place or or, or a prophetic picture of what has taken place and will take place. And we can see when the Bible talks of ten horns, it speaks of authority. Seven heads, ten horns. And I'll explain it slightly here, but we'll talk about it more later on. This is also confirmed, and I wish I could teach you on this, in Daniel chapter number 7. Verse 7 and 8, you can go there in your own time, and this is absolutely the language and, and the, the description is identical. But really what we're talking about is 10, 10 heads or 10 regions, which represents a one world government that will be headed by 10 different areas or 10 different regions. The reason why there are only seven diadems on his head, which is Satan the dragon, who basically empowers and gives these rulers the, his nature almost like, like the way that he is. That's why it's a dragon, and, and he is the dragon. There are only seven of them because the Antichrist, who is one of the ten, he actually basically, he actually, he actually basically rules over three of them. So he, he takes over three of those areas. That's why there's only seven crowns. Now, we'll talk more about that. But we understand, without a shadow of a doubt, and we'll continue with this as we go on, that with this one world type government, there will be 10 regions, 10 rulers or 10 areas that will be governed. The whole planet will be governed by these 10 rulers that will be influenced by the dragon who is Satan. So John has this image of a dragon that, is, that has these 10 horns which represents the 10 kingdoms, you could say, or the 10 different areas. He sees the dragon because he knows that the one influencing these 10 regions or has given authority to these 10 individuals is Satan. Are you with me? I could spend a whole lot of time trying to explain it to you, but I'm hoping you're grasping it. I want you to understand something. When we read this, the United States of America is somewhere in there. But without a shadow of a doubt, the U.S. at this point has already bowed her knee. Whether she's involved in one of those ten nations or not, we do not know. But most certainly, America is not what it is today at this point. All right, let's move on. Because it gets really, really interesting here. 
So we understand that there's this, this woman who's Israel and this dragon who's going to have all this influence. Now remember, the dragon has been around a long time. And we're about to see that. Watch this now. Verse number four. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. Everybody look at me. It's important that you understand this. So what's basically happened is the woman gives birth to a child. A third of the stars have been kicked out of heaven with Satan. We all know about that. When Satan was thrown out of heaven with a third of the angels. And when that happened, he was somewhere going to and fro on the earth. And we don't know all the details of that, but we know that event took place. And what I'm sharing with you right now is historic. The woman who is represented by Israel gives birth to the Messiah. When Jesus was born, we know that Herod tried to kill Jesus. So immediately, Satan tried to devour the child. Do you see it? So it says, she bore a male child who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God and his throne. So we know that Jesus was born from the very beginning of his birth. Satan wanted to destroy him. But the Bible tells us in several places that Jesus rule, will rule the nations with, an iron, with a rod of iron. And we know that Jesus died and rose up again and was caught up to be back in heaven. So that is an image of Jesus before and shows us again that the woman is represented by, by Israel. Israel is the woman. And then we can see that the, that the dragon is Satan. Now, it's about to shift and we're about to move into what is to come. Let's go to Revelation 12, verse number 6. This here clearly shows you that we're not talking about Mary. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they may feed her there 1,236 uh, 1, days. What will happen is the second part of the tribulation, three and a half years, which is 1,260 days, Israel, these 144,000 witnesses will be protected by God. They will flee into the wilderness and be protected. This is during the second half of the tribulation. Many people believe that the place where Israel will go, or these individuals will go, is a place called Petra. And many scholars believe this based on Matthew 24, verse 16, or Mark 13, verse 14. We're not going to put it up, but it's a wilderness or a mountain, and that's where these children of Israel are going to go. Most believe this is the 144,000. Are you with me all? All right. Now, we understand what has taken place and what is busy taking place. At this point, something is about to happen that is extremely powerful. Verse number seven, and war broke out in heaven. Remember, an image of what's taking place on earth and what's taking place in the realm of the spirit. The battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. So everything happening on the earth is affected by what's going on in the heavens. War broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. Let's stop there. This is a future event. This has not taken place yet. Everybody look at me. The first part where you see a third of the angels and Satan being cast down has taken place. But this is a point where all access that Satan and his angels have had to heaven is no longer. How do we know that Satan has had access to heaven? The Bible tells us in the book of Job that Satan, when he comes up to God, God says to him, where have you been? He says, I've been to and fro on the earth. And he's standing in front of, he's standing in front of God and he's accusing Job. He's saying, there's nobody on the earth. They, he still was there. He still had access to heaven. Are you with me? But it's about to change. 
Amen. And so he says, verse number nine, so the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Do you see it? Listen to me. Satan has been on the earth trying to attack you and I, trying to interrupt the plans of God. He knows he can't stop them, interrupt them. The Bible clearly tells us that he stands before God accusing us day and night. But at this point in the tribulation, God is going to send his angels to fight with Satan and his fallen angels, the one third that were cast out of heaven. Are you with me? What will happen is there will be a victory. Hallelujah. And they will no longer be allowed to operate in the heavenlies the way that they have been able to operate. Jesus is already seated far above all principalities and powers and they're already under his feet, but they are still standing before God, accusing you day and night, day and night, day and night. You can't use him, God. Didn't you see what he did, God? How can you allow him to do that, God? He doesn't really love you, God. He's such a sinner, God. That's what he does. But what we must understand is those that understand and believe the blood of Jesus protects you. The blood of Jesus redeems you. Hallelujah. And at this point in the tribulation, he, it's like someone said to me, the sign above heaven says no more access to Satan. You are done. Because judgment is about to be poured out on the earth. The final hour, the final moments are about to be played out on the earth. And his, his, his rights and operations in the heavenlies are over. And all that he does now is he operates on the earth out of pure desperation from this point. I don't know about you, but this for me is really awesome. Like, I love this. Because the devil is a liar. Amen. Verse number 11. And they overcame him. How do you overcome him, the devil? By the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heaven, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath. Why? Because he knows that, he's, that, he's, that, that he has a short time. So now what happens is, Satan's fury on the earth increases and God's judgment begins to increase as well. And there's gonna be some tough decisions that have to take place on the earth. Now, let's go to verse number 13. Revelation 12, verse number 13. Are you guys all okay? Now, when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time and a time and a half. So there we go again, a time and a time and a half, the three and a half years from the presence of the serpent. The serpent is the dragon. So Satan comes against the woman trying to persecute her now very aggressively. Exodus 19.4 tells us about these wings that we may not understand because it's an image again of Israel coming out of the Exodus. Exodus 19, verse number four. Let's read it real quick. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. There's no question. We are dealing with Israel. And again here, this is why many scholars firmly believe that the church is nowhere to be seen. Now, there are some scriptures coming up where we may see the church involved in some way, but more than likely, it doesn't really look like it. It looks like the church is no longer on the earth at this time. Let's go to verse number 15. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman, 
that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. Now, this doesn't necessarily represent an actual water flood. What it's speaking of is a mighty onslaught from the enemy against the children of Israel, against the nation of Israel during this time. I really believe that it's not speaking of a physical flood. And the Bible actually gives us an example of this in Isaiah 59 verse 19. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. So we can see here this there's a strong possibility that this is not a natural event, but more like a spiritual onslaught against the children of Israel. Right now, the devil at this point in the story is really, really mad. So let's take a look, verse 17. And the dragon was enraged with the woman. He's mad at the woman. And he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who kept the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. This is one of, those, one of those scriptures that is open for interpretation. But without a, without a question, what's interesting about it is if the woman has offspring and we're addressing the 144,000 witnesses as those that are being protected, if the 144,000 witnesses or, or Jewish evangelists have offspring, we're talking about those who got saved during the time of the tribulation, whether it be Jew or Gentile, those that were not part of this 144,000. So what happens is when the devil sees he's not getting victory with them, he goes after the offspring or those that were evangelized. Does it make sense? Some people will say here, well, this is what, he, what, he's, what he's talking about here is the church. Well, that could be, but it doesn't seem likely. It seems more likely that this is specifically referring to those that came from that woman which is 144,000 in this specific instant. Are you all with me? And now there's about to be another shift. Take a look. Revelation 13. I know it's a lot of information, and I want you to process it, but I'd like to leave before 2 o'clock. <laughs> okay? We could be here all day if we really took our time. But I'm trying my best to make sure that you understand what I'm saying. Revelation 13. Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Again, we can clearly see this is referring to the beast, the Antichrist, because again we see having seven heads, ten horns, and ten crowns, and on his head's a blasphemous name, the Antichrist. Now, you must understand that this character, the Antichrist, is going to be on the earth, influence the earth, and rule the earth in the most profound way, and we'll get a little bit more understanding now as we dive a little deeper. Now, the beast, verse number two, which I saw was like a leopard, and his feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. So it's Satan, the enemy, that empowers the Antichrist and empowers the rulers at that time. Again, the book of Daniel clarifies this perfectly. It actually tells us who the leopard is. The leopard is the Greek empire. The bear is the Medo-Persian empire. And the lion is the Babylonian empire. These are empires that we've seen throughout the ages, and it almost seems as though there will be a resurgence included in these 10 areas or these 10 rulers right in the end. Without a shadow of a doubt, if there's one thing we are very, very clear about, it's that there is going to be a one world government that will be ruled by 10 different leaders or seven leaders because the Antichrist will literally rule three of them, but 10 regions, that's for sure. Now, it gets really interesting here because the Antichrist is going to suffer a blow in verse number three. Then I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world marveled and followed the beast, the beast being the Antichrist. 
The Bible says mortally wounded, which could suggest a possible actual death and even a resurrection because the world is going to marvel at this incident that takes place. Whether it actually is a death or not, I do not know. But most certainly something very supernatural will happen. And because of this, verse number four, it says, so they worship the dragon who's actually Satan, who gave authority to the Antichrist, the beast. And they worship the beast saying, who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue for 42 months, three and a half years. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. Can you imagine this? I mean, blatant, open coming against God. You must understand that at this point, I know this is hard to believe, but the earth is going to be very dark. Listen, I think it might have been hard to believe a few years ago, but right now, it's not that hard to believe. Let's be honest. It's really not that hard to believe. We are, we are moving at a rapid race, a rate, a rapid rate of increasing darkness, the likes of which we haven't seen. Like from one year to the next, the darkness goes from, from here to here to here, whereas before it would be like this. Right now it's these giant leaps of us heading to a place where things that seemed abominable before are just like normal now. It's happening like this. What verse was I on, please? Verse number six. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and overthrow, overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. Again, here's one of the scriptures where people believe that this could have to do with the fact that the saints are still on the earth. I personally believe we're speaking specifically here about those that are going through the tribulation that have not submitted, and you'll see another image of them later on. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life and of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. This is a warning, guys. This is a loud cry of warning. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with a sword must be killed with a sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Now, we're about to see another character. There's a lot going on right now. Because you must understand we're getting an image or a glimpse of what's happening up there. We're going to get a great image of it just now of what's, or in a little bit of what's happening on the earth. All right. Now, then I saw, verse 11, another beast coming up out of the earth. So this is not the Antichrist. This is another beast. And he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. Two horns represents two forms of authority, two different areas. Because of the nature of this individual, and he's known as the false prophet, you have Satan, you have the Antichrist, and you have the false prophet. This, is, this beast, this character, is the false prophet. One area where we will, he will have an incredible amount of influence, undoubtedly, is in the area of religion, in the church. The reason why is because he will operate like a prophet, with signs and wonders and miracles that he will perform, and many will be believe the deception that he will bring. So let's take a look. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast. That's, that's the Antichrist, whose deadly wound has healed. He performs great signs. This is now the, the false prophet. So that, even, so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, the Antichrist, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image of the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast 
that the image of the beast should both speak and cause many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. So this is speaking about whoever doesn't worship the beast, whoever does not submit to the beast, to the antichrist and to the false prophet and to Satan, the Bible tells us here that they will be killed. Now, we're about to go to Revelation 14. And we're going to go back and see an image. Remember, there's lots of images here of what takes place with those that have been hidden, those 144,000 witnesses. And you're going to get a bit of a better understanding why God picked them and who they are. Take a look at this. Revelation 14. Remember, he's going back and forth. This is prophetic language. This is how prophetic language works. It's not always clear. It's, but everything makes sense because of, the, because of the illusions in the Old Testament. You can put it all together. Now, Revelation 14, verse number 1. Then I looked, and behold, a lamb standing on Mount Zion... And with him, 144,000 having the Father's name written on their foreheads. This is obviously speaking about the 144,000 that were sealed. And I want you to see, he's not saying that Jesus was literally standing there with them. What he's saying is that they were with the Lord the whole time. They followed the Lord the whole time, the Lamb, the 144,000 having the Lord's name. I've taught you about who they are. And again, most believe that these are 144,000 that will be selected as evangelists to preach the gospel during the time of the tribulation. These are those that will be hidden in the wilderness during the great tribulation, the second part. Are you all with me? <laughs> Verse number two. And I heard a voice from heaven, like the voice of many waters, and like the voice of a loud thunder, and I heard the sound of harpers playing their harps. They sang, as it were, a new song before the throne, before the four living creatures and the elders. And no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth. These are the ones who were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. This is the 144,000. These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. These were redeemed from among men, being first fruits to God and to the Lamb, representing the nation of Israel, the 144,000 witnesses. The Bible speaks of them as being holy individuals. They were, they were virgins. They, they kept themselves pure. And this, many believe, is one of the reasons why God selected these individuals. They were raised up for such a time as this. Amen. And in their mouths... And in their mouths was found no deceit. And in their mouths was found no deceit. And they are without fault before the throne of God. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having an everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to His name. For the hour of His judgment has come and worship Him who, had ma who made heaven and earth, the sea and springs of water. And another angel followed Him saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she had made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives the mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out, uh, poured out full, strength into the, full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of his holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Now, I want to stop there for a minute because I skipped over a couple of verses that are really, really important. Now, you can see here, whoever receives the mark will be punished. Let's quickly go back because I don't know how I missed it, but let's go to back to, verse, to chapter 13, verse 16 to 18. This is very important. I want you to understand, the beast is submitted, the beast is submitted, which is the false prophet, to the Antichrist. 
And we know that he's busy with a major onslaught on the earth. Now watch, verse 16 of chapter 13. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand and on their foreheads. And no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. You can see here how what happens is something that possibly we thought a while ago would be impossible. Now, after what's just taken place through COVID, doesn't seem so impossible. That people will be, if you don't take the mark, you won't be able to buy, you won't be able to sell, you won't be able to do anything. Are you with me? So we can see that this is something unbelievable. But many of you have heard about the mark of the beast, right? This is what we're talking about right here. The mark of the beast that will be placed on anyone who does not submit or follow. Uh, 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 anyone who, who chooses to follow God and submit to God, they will be given this mark on their forehead or on their hand. That's where they'll be given the mark. And as you can see, as we read in chapter 14, that anybody who doesn't get the mark, anyone who chooses not to get the mark, or anyone who, anyone who chooses to, anyone who gets the mark, I'm sorry, anyone who gets the mark will basically be damned. They will, they will end up in trouble. If you accept the mark of the beast, you will be in trouble. Are you with me? There is no turning back. There is no redemption for anyone who receives the mark of the beast. But anyone who does not receive the mark of the beast will be put to death. All right. Let's go back to Revelation chapter number 14. Sorry that I missed that. I apologize for that. And let's pick it up in verse... Let's pick it up in verse number Let's pick it up in verse number 6. We'll start there. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having an everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, "Fear God and give glory to his name, for the hour of his judgment has come." And worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and springs of water. And another angel followed, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and has his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of his holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. You must understand, guys, that all of this is not to scare you. It's to, it's to prepare you. It's to warn you. Listen, there is no turning back. You have to choose to follow the Lord with your whole heart. Are you with me? And when, when we get to this place, you will have to make a decision. If the church is raptured before this, we'll be in heaven. I'll be in heaven sipping my coffee, watching what takes place on the earth. If you believe in a post-trip rapture, then you'll be going through this. Verse number 11. And the smoke of their torment ascended forever and ever. And they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image. And whoever receives the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. Those, uh, here are those who kept the commandments of God and their faith of Jesus. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. Then I looked and behold a white cloud and on the cloud one sat like the Son of Man having in his head, uh, on, on his head a golden crown and on his hand, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out to the, of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, Thrust your sickle and reap, for the time has come for you to reap, for the harvest of the earth 
is ripe. Now you're about to see an image of a great harvesting that will take place. And really this represents the judgment that is about to take place on the earth. You're seeing what's happening in the heavens and we'll see what happens on the earth at a later stage. But you're about to see incredible judgment be poured out on the earth. Verse number 17, then another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven. He also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar who had power over fire. And he cried with a loud cry to him who had a sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in your sharp sickle and gather the cluster of the vine of earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. So the angel thrust his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and threw it into a great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trampled outside the city and blood came out of the winepress up to the horse's bridles for 1,600 furlongs. So we see an incredible amount of judgment and bloodshed that will take place on the earth. What you're seeing here is an image of what takes place in heaven. And now we're about to see how this plays out in the final six judgments on the earth. Are you with me? All right. Chapter 15. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues. For in them the wrath of God is complete. And I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire. And those who have the victory over the beast, over his image and over his mark, and over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having harps of gold. They sing the song of Moses, the servants of God, the song of the Lamb, sing, great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. Who shall not, who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy, for all the nations shall come and worship before you. For your judgments have been manifested. After these things I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened. And out of the temple came the seven angels, having the seven plagues, clothed in pure bright linen, and having their chests girded with golden bands. Then one of the four living creatures gave the seven angels seven golden bowls, full of the wrath of God, who lived forever and ever. The temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from His power, and no one was able to enter the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. Let's stop there. Now, are you guys okay? I know it's a lot. But what we have to understand is that what's going to take place is going to take place. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's love and mercy is unquestionable, undoubtable. But God is against sin, and judgment must come. Often when we read this judgment that's about to take place, we think, how could God be this way? But you must understand, this wrath is coming upon an earth that is at a point of unimaginable evil. And this judgment is coming against this earth at this point of unimaginable evil. Come on, you can see it. It's increasing all the time. And at this point in the tribulation, a lot of things have happened. And the earth is very evil to the point where the majority of the earth is actually literally worshiping the enemy. It's become plain. It's become obvious. They've been fully deceived at this point. The mark of the beast has been implemented by these 10 rulers on the earth through the Antichrist. Whoever doesn't receive the mark, they will be put to death. Or if they're found, they'll be put to death. We know that some make it through the tribulation. Again, as I've taught you before, I personally believe in a pre-trib rapture. Some believe in a post-trib rapture. That's up to you to be able to discern that. Some people say to me, well, Pastor Alex, why don't you make a clear decision? Because I'm not willing to say the Word of God says something and I'm not sure. Do you understand? Well, why are you not sure? Well, because prophetic scripture is up for interpretation. I know what I personally believe. I personally believe my personal feel is that the church won't be going through any of this. That's my personal view. 
And when I had a discussion about this with Dr. Brown, it only lasted about two minutes and I changed the subject. Because he believes in post-trib rapture and he's a great scholar of the word. But that's his theory. And some of the scriptures are very questionable. The fact of the matter is whether post or pre doesn't matter. This is going to take place on the earth. And this was written not to scare you, but to prepare you and to warn you. Listen to me. There will be children, people, maybe in this room or others, whose children will take the mark. There will be parents, moms and dads, that will take the mark. There will be grandparents that will take the mark. People will take the mark. And if they take that mark, it's over. It's judgment forever. They will share their place in the lake of fire. And you may say, well, that's so harsh. No, it isn't. The warning bells have been going on throughout the ages since Jesus was on the earth. The warning bells have gone out. We're at the end of the age. They prepared the church right at the beginning, at the beginning of, of, the, of, the, of the book of Acts. They were preparing the church for the coming of the Lord. He is coming, and He's coming quickly. Get ready. It's happening. It's going to happen. Whether it be over the next 50 years or beyond that, I don't know. But I can tell you now, it can't be much longer than the next 100 and so years. We don't know, but it can't be far. Because so many things that we couldn't imagine just five years ago are happening. People have been forced to, to do certain things, take vaccines. If you don't take a vaccine, you can't go on a cruise. You can't do this. You can't do that. Now, I'm not saying the vaccine's the, the mark of the beast. It clearly isn't. But it's shown you how people are being desensitized to doing this. Things are happening. Are you with me? My position on, on, on the vaccine is irrelevant. I'm not talking about that. So I'm not against the vaccine if you've had it, please. I'm not saying that. I'm trying to explain to you how they are preparing people to be desensitized. And how do I know that the vaccine isn't the mark of the beast? Because listen, the evil that will take place will be so intense that you will know. If there's some chance that you are here, and I don't believe you will be, but if there is, you will know what you are doing when you take that mark. The warning bells will go out. All of heaven will be preparing the people on the earth saying, don't do it. Including radical evangelists, Jewish evangelists, and two witnesses that will be on the earth that will be wild, full of fire for God. This is going to happen on the earth, and it's coming quickly. And I believe the sirens, the sirens of heaven are sounding. And so my desire, knowing fully well that this is coming, is God, before this takes place, will you not pour out your spirit again? Will you not send revival to our city, to our nation, and even the nations of this world? Lord, touch Africa, touch New Zealand, touch Australia, touch South America, touch North America, touch the United States of America, touch Florida, touch Vero Beach, Lord. Send the fire of your spirit. Revive those who are asleep, God. Save the lost and the dying. Lord, add thousands upon thousands upon thousands to the kingdom of God. That's our prayer. That's our desire. Amen. Amen. You need to warn those that you love. You need to warn them. That's why this is there. That's why the scriptures are clear. God is a God that is fully full of love. That has given us chance after chance after chance. If you say no, well let me tell you, here's your next chance right now. Make a decision today to serve God. Make a decision right now to serve Him. Make a decision today. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. I'm not going to do an altar call. You know who you are. If your life isn't right with God, do it now. Well, what must I do to be saved? Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. And you want to know how to live after that? Go listen to last night's sermon. It's all it takes. It's not hard. Give your heart to Him. Give your life to Him. Surrender to Him. That's all you have to do. Amen. That's all you have to do. He loves you so much. So much. He's done everything to prepare us. 
but my heart breaks for those that I know, family members that do not serve the Lord. What will they do in that hour of decision? What will they do? Let's bow our heads. Father, this morning I give you thanks. We love you so much, Jesus. I'm so grateful for life. I'm so grateful for your love. Lord, I pray for every lost soul in this place that does not know you, Father, or those watching online that do not know you. I pray for them this morning. But for us that sit here, Lord, that have family members that we know are not serving you, we pray for them this morning. We pray for brothers. We pray for sisters. We pray for sons and daughters. We pray for mothers and fathers. We pray for grandfathers and grandmothers. Lord, we ask, pour out your spirit again, Father. Like Dr. Brown said last week, revival or we die. God, I pray that you will revive the nations again. Revive our nation. Revive this region. Father, pour out your spirit. Before judgment comes, we ask for mercy, Lord. We ask for mercy. We don't deserve it, but we ask, Holy Spirit, come again. Breathe on us again. Breathe on the earth again, Lord. Revive the church for such a time as this. Revive us, O oh God. In the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, we pray this this morning with all of our heart. And now I ask, Holy Spirit, that you will strengthen and encourage every person. Lord, as we go even deeper next week into your word, into the book of Revelation, and we get to the point where, where you come, Lord, when you come, Lord Jesus, and you face the armies of this world and set up your kingdom on the earth, we look forward to it. We love you. We praise and we worship you. I pray that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that the love of the Father and the fellowship with the Holy Spirit be with each and every one of you as you leave this place today. In Jesus' name. Amen.